Are we having a party here? I don't know. Welcome to Polishing Profits. Join our three industry experts boasting 140 years of experience as they unlock building service contracting secrets that can revolutionize your business. When do we start doing this seriously? I don't know. Anytime, anytime I tell May to start, I don't know. Well, this is interesting. Well, like Poltergeist, we're back. You're not rid of us yet. Welcome to Polishing Profits with Sharon Selkamp. God, jeez. Sharon, Ed, and myself, Mark. And we are going to, well, we thought about inviting Clint Eastwood, and you'd really have to be old to get that joke. But this is the good and the bad and the ugly, and that's a spaghetti western. If you haven't seen it, watch it. But now enough of pulp culture. I guess it's pulp. He's still alive. Anyway. Yeah. We're going to talk about leads, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Leads, leads, leads. We talk to people. The first thing is, what do you, what do you want to do for your business? I want more business. I, yeah. I've got to have more leads, got to close more deals. Seriously, want to have some fun, go to a party, having a couple of cocktails, walk up to somebody like Ed. Well, maybe not Ed. Sharon would give you a better answer and say, Sharon, what would you <laughs> like for your company? What's the most important thing? I want to grow it. I, I need more leads and I need more sales. I'll and guarantee you. And how do I get accounts? How do I get accounts? How do I get accounts? Ed's going to lead the charge today. Uh, so you have the interesting, the unrehearsed opening, as you can, as you saw. And we are going to cover probably for the next two to three episodes leads because it is one of the most misunderstood. I could go on with a bunch of adjectives. But people don't get leads. People don't understand sales cycles. We can go on. We're going to be talking a lot of marketing through these next few episodes. So if uh, you're like 90% of your compatriots in the business, that uh, the first thing is you want more leads and you want more new business, then this is going to be the place to be for the next few episodes as we go through this and talk about marketing, sales, accounts, proposals, negotiation closing, I guess, whatever comes to our mind. But right now, Ed, you're going to be, you're going to be steering the bus today. So brother, I'm going to leave it up to you. The good, the bad, and the ugly, that was your title. Leads. All right. Sound, sound, sounds good. Listen, oh. I think that we got, based on what I've seen, and I see quite a bit because I'm on Facebook, the only, one of the few valuable things there is that it really is the voice of the people. Okay. No two ways about it. What the Vox Populi. Okay. And so that's where we find out where folks are on a larger basis. And I felt that what we needed to do was we needed to talk about, we needed to start out with some basics. And the first one would be the difference between inbound marketing and outbound marketing. Extraordinarily important because it's two completely separate, different approaches. Okay. And the easiest way that I can illustrate this picture inbound marketing as a magnet and outbound marketing as a megaphone. So inbound is a, is, a, is a magnet. You're trying to get people to come to you. Outbound is that we're going to them. Mm -hmm. So that's an important distinction. Unfortunately, what's one of the downsides of the internet to our industry is that everybody is very committed to inbound marketing, which is fine, but you're not making all the decisions, okay? What you're doing is you're putting out different magnet items for them to come to you. Okay. 
Now, that's opposed to outbound marketing where we pick who we want to do business with. I've seen a couple of ways to explain this. One of them is check out account-based marketing account-based marketing. And okay. essentially what you'd be doing is you're looking at it, some tools to go after the people that you want. So you have to define who you want first. In inbound marketing, there's not much you can do, you know, except say no when there's somebody that you don't want. Okay. So, you know, if you're not into my own personal thing was funeral parlors. I'm not going into a funeral parlor because I'm the guy that's got to walk the buildings in the middle of the night. And I don't want anybody in the back room to sit up and say, <laughs> well, hello there. I, I don't want to do that. You know, it's, no, I don't know why. Okay. All right. So once we've got that fixed in our minds about inbound and outbound marketing. Okay. Now you've got two different divisions of things that you can do. All right. I'm not at all uh, saying that inbound marketing is worthless. It's not, okay? There's an awful lot good to it. But the first thing you do is to figure out the difference between inbound and outbound. And then the beginning is to really create a usable plan. So what's a usable plan? Okay. Well, the first thing in a usable plan is uh, territory. I see folks, particularly in the subcontracting network, that will, you know, they'll go two states away to strip a floor. And that's crazy because what's happened is that they're passing millions and millions of dollars of floors that need to be done to get to that one way out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So the first thing to do is to figure out your territory. And, you know, uh, uh, in a decent sized metro area, that's not hard to do. Okay. The easiest way to do it is geographical. So example, Monday would be planning day. Okay. Tuesday that you're going to be in the, in the Northwest on Wednesday, you're going to be over in the East. Okay. And what you've done is you've divided up your uh, territory uh, now into smaller areas. And okay. Now the next thing, after you've looked at the territory, the first thing really is to recognize what leads are. Recognizing leads. And I got a story for you. Now you got to remember old people have stories. That's how we teach. Okay. Uh, oh, and, and also we don't remember stuff. We have bad memories. So if, if, if we start with the same story a second time, it's on you to say, Hey, we heard that one. So after stories changes in our life. One yeah. when we're kids, we tell stories about what we have or haven't been doing. And then at this point, they're always just a little bit better than they actually were. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, recognizing what leads are, and people get leads and prospects mixed up. Okay. What I see is people are looking for prospects, which are potential customers that have already made contact. Okay. A lead is nothing more than maybe a wish. Well, I'm just going to say on leads, there a lead is cold. There's nothing hot about There's a nothing. lead. Right. It's cold. Either they know nothing about you, either you know nothing about them. You've thrown a little bit of collateral at them, maybe stop by. They don't know you. They have no, no whether they want you, know what you're going to do, could do for them. It is a lead. That's it. Ed and Sharon, you guys remember this. We used to find leads. We'd get in the car at night when we were done supervising buildings and drive around the area back to Ed's regions. They used to call it smokestacking, looking for the smokestack. Smoke we look for 
over a building that looked like it's something you wanted to clean. You'd write down the name and the address. And the next morning when you got up, you'd call and try to find out who's in charge. And by the or, way, that's still a valid way to yeah, get business. I, if you, I you, used to you know, do that for, for recruiting. If I needed some help, I would go stock a building and watch because the cleaning truck would be there. So I would, and I got some employees that way. I would go up, introduce myself, leave my card when they were coming out of the building after cleaning. So besides getting leads for business, stalking buildings at night is a great way to look for employees. You were sheep stealing is what you were doing or cattle yeah. rustling. I was- well, listen, in, in all fairness, on the other side of that, I had somebody that told me they were coming down to my office with a baseball bat because I stole a supervisor. You don't make many friends that way, but no, you know, know it still works. Okay. But to the point, leads are exactly that. It's something you haven't even started the customer value journey, what they call a CVJ. And right. you are at the very end of the run of ever signing that person up when it's a lead. So, Ed, I didn't want to step on that or get you out of sync, but. That's all right, man. I've been stomped on by better people than you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Better people, better looking and more money. I I get it. Okay. Now, what we've talked about so far, and think about it kind of like an upside down pyramid. Because next, what we have to do is we've got to come up with a strategy. Okay, how are we going to do this? All right. Are we going to use uh, a little bit of telemarketing? Are we going to use a little bit of direct mail? Uh, What do we have to do to beef up our uh, website so that it's turning uh, leads for us? So coming up with a strategy after understanding what your territory is and understanding what a lead is. Okay. So the strategy is, is the next step, really. Now, what we're trying to do is something, and I think this might have even been in the early 70s, but there was a brilliant book called Positioning, The Battle for Your Mind. And that's really what we're doing. And let me illustrate this way. One of the most successful advertising campaigns in the history of the business world was 7-Up and Coke. Okay. At one time, there was, and it all has to do with shelf space, by the way, in the grocery store. That's what it has to do with. How much shelf space do I get? All right. When you walk down the aisle, notice how much shelf space Coke has. Notice how much shelf space the the Pepsi people have. So that's a very important thing. And here's the deal that we're not going to have to convince anybody that we're better. Okay. What we've got to do is we've got to make a distinction. So what happened with uh, Coke and 7-Up was they said, well, listen, we're not going to beat Coke. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. You know, we're just not going to win that. Okay. And one of the most successful advertising campaigns in the history of the business world, okay, was the, the whole idea of getting a position in your prospect's mind. That's all you want. You just want a spot. Now, think about this for a second, right? How many times on a daily basis, and if you're out and around like normal people, not like shut-ins like myself, but think about how many times will you see some form of advertising for Coke? Well, when was the first time you, you saw an ad for Coke? How many times have you seen an ad for Coke? Okay. Well, the answer is that you absolutely cannot, that's an impossible number to figure out. So what 7-Up 
people did was instead of trying to go at them face front, what they did was they came up with a campaign that was seven up is the un cola. Seven up was the un cola. And you guys remember this, you two remember this, the un cola. It was their message and it was an entire strategy all the way around that approach. And all they were doing was trying to get a position in their mind. And, and let me illustrate how this works in the cleaning business. I had a client and they were interested in growing. And we talked a little bit about branding. And see, I, I guess this is my own theory, okay? But in, as far as the cleaning business goes, it's the owner that makes a difference between companies. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was a, a company owner, mostly residential, but... She wanted to go into uh, commercial. And what I tried to do, and I always try to do this when we're talking about coming up with some sort of a story, okay? How did you get into the business? What happened? How did you get here? Okay. And she told me how she got to the business. And and it was through a, a high school job she had in the hospital and she transferred to housekeeping. I said, okay, now, listen, that is a great story. But let me ask you this. What did you take out of those years of working in the hospital in environmental services? What did you take with you? What did you take with you into the cleaning business? Okay. And she immediately got that. And uh, she said, oh, that's easy. Uh, what what came out of that is uh, I, I supply my people with Q-tips and toothbrushes. We clean with toothpicks. That's how we do it. Q-tips. What I did was, and, and she, she had all this wonderful big hair, you know, kind of like Nashville kind of big, and it was red. And I said, look, I love the, the, the Q-tip. I said, look, here's our brand. Our brand is you in a mirror holding up a Q-tip. Now, if that Q-tip is what's going to wind up stuck in somebody's head, then we can do things like we can drop a Q-tip into a sales letter. They'll know who it is. And I can guarantee you that you will be the only cleaning service in the state that bases uh, uh, their entire campaign around a Q-tip. Nobody else is going to do that. Okay. So that's the short story on positioning. Of all the books, that's a definite one to read. And I've got my list of books to read. And that's top of the list, right? It's positioning the battle for your mind. There's other illustrations in in that book. And and we remember these now. Hertz Rent-A-Car, okay? They were unbeatable at one point, okay? As a matter of fact, it became synonymous with just car rental. In other words, it was a company name that was used for referring to uh, car rentals, okay? So along comes a competitor. And what they say is they're not going to try and convince you they're better than Hertz, okay? What they're going to do is they're going to get a position in the mind by the message. Are you thinking of Avis? Avis, we're we're number two. We try harder, yep. We try harder, we're number two. Okay. That was also a very successful ad campaign. And I, I studied in the beginning when I started in business many years ago. That's what I was looking for. I wanted to know, give me the general, give me the foundational stuff. And then from there I can build. And after I do a little bit of building, that's when the important thing comes in, which is creativity. So uh, let me ask you two, what was, as far as you were concerned, what is it that you teach regarding positioning? 
how to stand out in your pro- in your prospect's mind? Well, I think you have to de- first you have to develop your what makes you different. Why should somebody choose you? So your own company identity has to be it, and you have to tie into that your target market, who it is you want to do business with, who do you want to pick for your outbound marketing. Get that narrowed down to the top three, four kinds of businesses, and then identify what you have to do as a company to make you be the magnet for them. What's going to make them want to even talk to you? What is it about you? Not that you're licensed, insured, and bonded. Not that you really clean well. Not that we offer quality service. None of those things. That's old time. Everybody does that. So identifying your company identity, identifying who your target market is, and then how is your messaging going to be attractive? What do those people need to hear? Who is their customer? That's who they want to please. So what you do has to fit into that category. So that's that's my philosophy. Exactly. That's exactly correct. Mark, what do you got to say? Well, first I'll go from when uh, I had CBM systems and our positioning was we have ESP. So that was a play on words back then, extrasensory perception. But our definition of extrasensory perception was expertise, systems, and performance. So those are the things. We had the same expertise that everybody, the big boys have. We have the systems and we use them. They don't. We do what we say we're going to do, and we perform. It's important that we perform and stay tied in with you. So basically, it was ESP providing exceptional service experiences. We didn't clean buildings. We provided a service experience. I swiped that from Disney. Disney gives you experiences. It isn't rides. They create an experience. And I would read a book. It's a long story. But anyway, I thought, well, cleaning is an experience. We will deliver you a better experience. So one of the things that I bring to anybody I coach with, you own the business. So first off, the differentiation, and you mentioned it here, is you. And we got a lot of large accounts that, again, we weren't nationwide, we were regional. I always told somebody at the close, when something goes bad, you're not going to get a VP flying in from, and I won't pick on any state. I'm going to be here. We're going to get it fixed, and it's going to get done. And my team's been with me 10 years. We found what our strengths were, and we always played to those and tried to make sure that we positioned, or today they call it TOMA, top of mind awareness. Mm -hmm. We kept that top of mind awareness of how we could outperform, provide a better experience, and be a closer partner to get things done. Because let's face it, everybody in this business screws up. We're dealing with people. No one's going to get rid of complaints, but it's how you respond. It's what and the type you have. So when I'm talking to folks, those are the things that we have control over. What is in your center of locus? What is in your control? What can you control that you can do better than anybody else? And if you are a small business at this point, it's you. And you're directing, now providing you do what you say you're going to do and everything else that Sharon was talking about. All this evolved around delivery. But if you want to position yourself, it's not hard to find a differentiation. Uh, time, to give, time to give a phone call back. We had a four-hour window. I'll tell a lot of my clients, you're small. Tell me if you have a problem, call me. We'll be back in two hours. So it's service time. It's repair time. It's service. It's uh, failure, service failure recovery. 
you can do, do a lot of differentiation with that. And so just a few things for our, our audience to think about. And there's a lot more than that. But it takes some thought. It takes some time. And you've mm -hmm. got to be willing to sit down, look in the mirror. If you got a couple of people you trust in your company and say, hey, what makes us different? And get busy on it. And then how do you figure out if it works? Take it out to the market. The market likes it, it works. The market doesn't like it, find something else. I think all of those well, things uh, have to be done front, up front. The planning and the strategy, that's the mm -hmm. beginning. You can't do anything yep. else to you have that in place. That's exactly right. Mark, how are we doing on time here, buddy? Uh, we're doing all right. We're at 25, so we can wrap up this portion. And then I'd like to get any into examples in the next portion. Yeah. Some examples. Yeah. So yeah, we're only halfway here, so yeah, we should wrap this one up and go to the next one. Sounds good. Very good. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Part next two week, coming. part two is coming. All right, you're seeing behind the scenes live here. We have no idea how we're getting to part two, so we're telling you, stay tuned for part two. Thanks, and we'll see you at the next episode.